Welcome to the Purple Fish Podcast. This is Mark Wilson. And today I'm going to be exploring a couple of factors that I found in my research of the preaching practices in thriving churches in the South Carolina upstate. And in this episode and in a couple of the others following, we're going to be unpacking seven commonalities that I found in these churches. Uh, I, I discovered um, that even though these churches were very different from each other, different denominations, different contexts, different theological persuasions, um, different styles completely, yet there were certain things that all of the preachers of these thriving churches had in common with each other. And in the last episode, I mentioned uh, the first one off the bat, homiletic authority or gravitas, that these guys believed what they preached and they preached it with umph and they carried weight with it. Today, I want to explore two more. And the first one is actually the very first thing I discovered as I began to dive deep into the preachings, into the sermons. I coded them like my line. I looked deeply into the actual words that they said and how they communicated with their people, uh, interviewing the congregants and the pastors themselves. And this was amazing to me, this particular find. It, it startled me because I didn't, I didn't expect that that's what it would be. But the very first discovery I made was that all of these pastors named the pain of their parishioners. They put words to the painful experiences that their people were going through. Somehow, they identified with the struggles of their listeners. Now, some of the pastors, um, they, they weren't touchy-feely type pastors. They were more like football coach kind of pastors. So it wasn't exactly pain. It was more like angst that they named. But angst is a form of pain. And so I kind of put those two uh, together. Now, when I say name the pain, I'm talking about uh, the hardships, the bad news, the difficulties of life that somehow they conveyed to their listeners, I really get it. I get what you're going through. So uh, they did this over and over. Every single sermon, it was name the pain, name the pain, name the pain. And my question was, how did they go about naming the pain? Like, how did they figure it out? Were they intentional about this or did they just do it intuitively? And how did they understand what the pain of their listeners might be? So I interviewed the pastors, and here's what I came up with. This is what they told me. Uh, some of them said the naming the pain actually just comes from the text itself, the biblical text. The Bible understands the human condition. And so when we preach the word, we're going to name the pain because the pain is right there in the Bible. From Genesis chapter 3 onward, we see all kinds of pain and the struggle and the toils of humanity and so if we're just faithful to the text, we're going to name the pain automatically. Now, the way I teach my preaching students this is to look for the bad news, the hard stuff uh, in the text, and then what's the bad stuff in life, and then what's the good stuff in the text, and what's the good stuff in life. Paul Scott Wilson calls that the four pages of a sermon, good news, bad news. The bottom line of that is you should always end your sermon with good news and life. I mean, the other three pages can mix around. You can start with bad news in life and then go to bad news in the text. Or you can start with bad news in the text and go to bad news in life. 
what I found, I, I am more of a hope preacher and encouraging preacher. I want to, I want to give them the good news. Um, you know, if you uh, preach on Romans, you know, where it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I'll spend 10% on the wages of sin is death and 90% on the gift of God is eternal life. And so my challenge as a preacher has been to stay with the bad news just a little bit longer, to walk in the pain of the people, to not resolve it too quickly in the sermon. And I saw that that's what these preachers did. They they spoke words to the pain. And sometimes the biblical text itself is a way to name the pain. Another thing um, that preachers can do to name the pain is just to think about their own pain, to preach from their own uh, struggles of life. Now, there is such a thing as TMI, too much information. But uh, I think that a lot of times preachers hide behind the pulpit. They, 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 they present themselves as perfect, and, and they're not. They're human beings, and they have struggles, and they have pains in their life. And if we can come to that place of sharing our struggle from a place of healing, a place of grace, and what God has taught us through it, that is really powerful. What is most personal is most universal. And when we speak about our own personal struggles and the hardships we've gone through and how God has helped us through it, then uh, that speaks directly into the pain of the listeners' lives. Another way we can name the pain is by walking with our people, actually getting out to where they are. That's why I think every preacher ought to be with people. Even if you have a large church, you should somehow, some way be involved in the lives of people. Don't be in an ivory tower cloistered away working on your sermon. You need to be where the people are. That's where you're going to work on your sermon. Because when you are where the people are, you're going to see the pain because wherever there are people, there there's pain. This could be in a hospital or a nursing home or a counseling session or whatever it is where people are struggling and you go there, you see the pain, it'll break your heart. And then you put words to that and you speak that pain back. Now, again, you got to be careful. You don't want to give away people's secrets and stuff like that. It's things that they've shared confidentially with you. But as you walk with people through the, the difficulties and struggles of their lives, you, you will have ways to name their pain. You'll put words to their experiences. And then another way to name the pain is to uh, to read like um, fiction is what I would say. I, I I've been reading a lot of New York Times bestseller fiction. Now, if it's on the New York Times bestseller list, usually there's a reason for that. It's because it's a good story. But a good story always has a conflict. It always has a complication or a struggle. And so you start with the struggle, and then it gets worse. And, and then you wonder, how on earth is this ever going to get resolved? But then it does. And a good sermon will do something like that. It will have a struggle. And then there will be a challenge. And you're trying to figure it all out. And that's the pain. That's the struggle. That's the hardship. So don't, don't move too quickly to the resolution. When you move to the resolution, then it's all over. And so my, my thought is this, um, one um, bard said, what you ought to do is take your hero, put him up in a tree, throw rocks at him, and then get him down out of the tree. And you can do this as you tell stories and things in your sermon. So the, the preachers, they named the pain, but then they went beyond that. 
and they described the problem that was underneath the pain. So underneath the pain is a theological issue. And so they might say, you are hurting. You are going through this really hard thing. And you know why that's the case? You might think it's this, and you might think it's that. But it's not this, and it's not that. It is this. It is this, and it's a theological issue. And so then you go to the text. You go to the text to unpack the theological issue to resolve the problem that um, arises because of the pain. So you name the pain, and then you define the problem underneath the pain theologically. So that's uh, what I have to say about that, and I'll continue on with a couple more in another episode. God bless. Mm-hmm.